Lonnie, Lonnie, keep the lights low and just bring up these. These two. Okay. It just feels good. There's a peace about it. For he is the light. Thank you for these glasses. <laughs> I love the word of God. I just want to uh, share with you uh, very quickly something that's been in my heart this week, and I hope that you can carry it with you as we move forward into the holidays. Uh, there's been so much in my heart, but Lonnie, could you first first open that box? Somebody brought this gift and set it on our chair, so there's no card in there. I don't know who this is from. So please, somebody, own up to it or whatever. But how beautiful is that? Is that gorgeous? I'm going to read what it says. Something, um, yeah, it is, <laughs> for Jesus. We're gonna, I'm, and they gave us two of them. They're identical. And I think we should put one for right now on the, on the pulpit uh, with a do not take home sign. <laughs> uh, but it is so beautiful, and I'm so touched by it. And recently, um, Christine and I were exchanging, I don't know how recently, but recently, we were sharing about um, faith and the faith that it's taking for this current move of the Spirit. Uh, you have to take faith every day when there's a move occurring in the spirit. You do. You have to press into it every day because the enemy wants to snatch it from you. And he wants to make you believe it's really not here, but it is. <laughs> it is so here. Okay, it is so here. So she um, shared the scripture. I told her that she needs to bring a word on faith. And so I'm going to get her on the lineup. I hope I'm not shocking her too much. I told her to be ready. I already, it's not like a shock. I told her, right, John? Yeah, and he's saying, yes. Yeah. Come on, Mama. Come on, Mama. All right. But this is a scripture that she sent me in a couple of weeks ago. I know I read it to you. She sent it to me in the message version. And this is what is on this. Thank you for your glasses. Um, this is so beautiful. And there's an angel hovering over. And I want to tell you right now, this is not only the season, angel, the, the season of visitation, of angelic visitation, is, always occurs. There's a portal that opens in a very special way for angelic visitation around September, around the Feast of Trumpets. It's a, it's a window. It's just like God opens a window. And there's a fresh breeze that starts to blow on us, and we sense it. Uh, it isn't just emotional excitement about tabernacles. It was during uh, all these times in December. It goes right through. Right in December, you know, was the visitation of Gabriel over, over Mary. And just a few months before that was, uh, you know, the visitation from Abba himself hovering over Elizabeth, and she gets pregnant with John the Baptist. That was a move, guys. That was a move. We just sang that song. This is a move. This move is happening right now. So I'm going to read you this scripture. And there's an angel engraving here. And so it's just so prophetic of the time that we're living in. Uh, just as it was in Habakkuk's day. 
So here it is. Write this. It's Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3. Write this. Write what you see. You should be journaling now. You should have a little journal right now. Some of my Living Word School of Ministry students, we taught them about journaling last year. You should be journaling about what's happening. There's adversities, and then there's victories. And then there's giants, and then the headlines or giant goes down. Amen? These are, the, these are the days that we're living these heroic biblical stories in your life, in the stories written about your lives from heaven. And so again, this is what God is telling Habakkuk to write. He says, Habakkuk just had a vision. And we've had a vision. We, there, you know, it said the people perish for the lack of vision. You know, it looked like we were perishing for a while, but it wasn't because of a lack of vision. We carried the vision. We didn't let it go. And we are now, it's manifesting before our eyes. And this is what Habakkuk just had a vision, and God said, write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters. I mean, big ones, giant ones. You know, a few minutes ago, one of those songs, the, the, the words on that song were not clear. We couldn't see it from the back of the word, the church. So we just sing our own words. But, you know, write it in big block letters so everyone can see it. The vision. Write it big so that it can be read on the run. I love that part. On the run. Running for Jesus. So it can be read on the run. The vision, the message, is a witness pointing to what's coming. It's pointing the way. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. Now, if you don't know what that feels like, maybe you were a child and couldn't wait till Christmas. You know what I'm saying? It's that I can't wait, and that's what's in my spirit for what God's doing right now. And when we see the fullness of it and the manifestation of it, it's going to carry on for years. It will change all of humanity. My heart aches for the coming. It can hardly wait, and it doesn't lie. The vision doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. If it seems slow, just just wait. It's on the way. It will come right on time. Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3. So I don't know who gave me this gift. Was this you, Mr. Robbins? He's raising his hand. Thank you so much. I absolutely love this. Yes, this is what this is about right now. And thank you for giving me two. It was a double portion. I don't know why. (laughs) I don't know if it was an accident. It was one for me and Lonnie. 
but I want this to stay here so we remember it. If you forget, get over here to this pulpit. You'll find the scripture on it, okay? Read it in your heart. There is hope. There is promise. There is vision. Amen? There is hope, promise, and vision. No matter what your circumstances look might look like. If you don't see it coming, then just wait. Wait for it. Just wait for it. You get that online all the time. You know, they send you little videos on Facebook or wherever. And they're like, wait for it. You know, watch this and wait for it. There's something coming. There's something coming. It's the vision. And sometimes you have to wait for it for a long time. 40 years, 50 years, I don't know, 25 years. But it's coming. And you trust the Lord for that. Well, uh, with that, with the vision and the things that are going on at the Cornerstone Community Center and the vision of that and everybody that's been working tirelessly, diligently, without fail, um, since, well, really, last December, last, the end of November was our, well, in December was our first meeting. Uh, I want to share a little good news with you. Um, the, <coughs> the two lenders that were willing to give us a bridge loan, that means a loan to secure the property, until the funds come in to pay for it all. Is that good? So it's a temporary thing. Um, so we don't want to rest in that because we are still fundraising. Both loans came through last Friday. Um, the only, so the next giant that stands in the way is, um, is we just need $67,000 more for the down payment at the closing. And so in my world, that might be a yike moment or like, you know, 60, but that's 67,000 people with, I mean, that's 67 people with $1,000. That doesn't sound like big, like 67,000 does. And there's something called Giving Tuesday coming up. How many of you have heard of Black Friday sales? We've all heard that. And then some of you have heard of Cyber Monday. Well, I'm here to tell you about something relatively new to my world. It's called Giving Tuesday. And so it comes the day after Cyber Monday. So we're just saying don't spend all your money on those other two days. Because what is God? We're coming to Thanksgiving. It's about giving. What has God given for us? He's given everything possible. He gave us Jesus. He gave us everything. Everything. And we can give. So you know what? 67,000 sounds like it ought. But what if, what if you all helped us advertise Giving Tuesday, December 3rd, on your email list? Your Facebook, your Instagram. Most there are. I know that there are people who are homeless, but most of them have phones. 
most, I said most of them. I didn't say all, but I said most of them have phones. You might not have funds to give, but if you have a phone and you have an email list or you have friends, you can help us get the word out. Because 67,000 people that would just give one dollar, right? We can go out and find cans and turn a cash in for a buck. Come on. You can't say that you don't have something to give. Not in this world. You know what I'm talking about? I can bake up a bunch of cookies and I can sell them for a little bit. I might get to five bucks for that. But you know what I mean? See, there, here's somebody with 2,000 friends. Just say, give us one dollar. If that's all you can give, give a dollar. And I want to tell you, we've got a new button on our website. We've got a new button on our website where you can give. And for those who like to give big and get lots of flight miles before the end of the year, you can use your credit card. <laughs> but our, so I don't want to get detailed by money, but I want you to, I want you, we just heard everything's possible. We're, we're asking you to get the word out, and we're asking you to help us. We're asking you to help, uh, help, help. Uh, so it's not just that. We need prayer. We need prayer that this comes in because we have about two and a half weeks to raise that amount of money. Okay? So help us get the word out on cyber. You're going to see some news, so don't just trash that. Just find out there's some links. So if you don't know what's going on and what God's doing and going to reach the entire community of the Upper Valley with the thing, the vision that he's given us, every man, woman, and child will have an opportunity to partake of what God's going to be doing in that building. So I wanted to tell you that. And then the appraisal came in, too. And the appraisal was, that came in late Friday, and that was favorable, and we do believe we'll be meeting with the banks, but we do believe that's going to help us get what we needed. So we will find that out this week. So you can pray for those meetings too. Amen. So with that, I wanted to up, give you some updates. I wanted to give the family here updates. So spread the good news because um, a lot of people are not in church today because many people are having um, Thanksgiving meals this weekend. Um, you know, we get around this time and you can't always do it on Thanksgiving. Um, but many people are having meals, and we just pray for everybody uh, that has an opportunity to spend with family. But there's a couple of things on my mind. The Lord spoke to me this morning. Sometimes things happen to us, okay? Sometimes, you know, there's a book written. Um, why do bad things happen to good people? You know, it's a question, you know? And usually if something bad happens to you, we go, why me? What did I do? You know, that's our typical thing. What did I do, God? That this? But, and sometimes you might have made a bad decision that got you where you are. And that's, there, there's perhaps truth to that. But sometimes things happen. And we don't know why. Tomorrow is November 25th, 
And years ago, on November 25th, the day after Thanksgiving, Lonnie and I were living in West Hartford at the time. We had a little gentleman's farm. We had young children. My youngest child was two years old, my son. So we had children maybe from two to 13, uh, about 15 at the time. And Lonnie and I were just going out. We left the kids home for a stroll. Uh, we, well, we, we weren't strong uh, for, for doing their chores and getting things done. And we had, were working very hard. Lonnie had the day off, and we'd been in a project very similar to the one that we're in right now. Uh, and Lonnie and I were pretty much it for the work crew. But, you know, that day, we said, we're taking it off. We're going to have family day. We're just going to have fun and games. We're going to go get some food. We're going to eat leftovers. And what happened is Lonnie and I were involved in what should have been a fatal car accident. My last words as our car was spinning out, and Lonnie's last words were to me, Kathy, I can't pull the car out of a spin. It was a day much like today with just a light thing of snow. It was the first snow, actually, of the season. And there wasn't any salt on the roads yet. And someone pulled out in front of us making a left-hand turn and our car went into a spin and sliding on the fresh snow and we were spinning. We were only doing about 35 miles an hour. But when you wrap your car around a telephone pole and Lonnie takes a hit and our car was crushed. Everything, every window was blown out. Lonnie was unconscious, bleeding. I finally realized he wasn't dead because blood was spurting. And it was hitting on the frame of the window and dripping down in my face because I was now in the floorboard of the car. We hadn't been wearing seatbelts. My body was crushed. At first I thought I was dead because it just seemed so quiet when I came to and there was snow falling. But then my body kicked into gear and I started breathing again. I'd had all the wind knocked out of me, you see. And once that happened, oh my goodness, the pain. <laughs> when bad things happen to fairly good people, we hadn't been doing anything. I know some of you have had some things happen. It's like, what is going on here? And we can say it's spiritual warfare, and we can say a lot of things. And much of it, and some of all of that can be true. But I just want to, a scripture came to me this morning, and it's in Hebrews 5, and I believe it's verse 8. He, the Son of God, would you look it up for me, Lonnie? Actually, let me see. Uh, I think it's, I had it on my, um, Jesus, being the Son of God, let me see if I can get it on my phone real quick. I don't know, I want to make sure that's the right reference before you read it. Is it, is it the one that's, uh, yeah, it is 5-8, yeah, would you read that for me? It says, though he was a son, yes. It's about Jesus. Though he was a son, 
And we all know that he, had, he was sinless. He was a good person. Yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. I want you to know, I want you to get rid of that idea that God's here to punish us for sin. Because you know what? We just came to the banqueting table that he died for you to forgive all your sin and take your shame and your guilt. Yes, there are consequences for sin or decisions that we make that are not God's best. We live them out. But I want to tell you, on that day, once we got to the hospital, Lonnie arrested on me. I'm down on the floorboard. He's on top of me. I can't turn. I can't move. I'm pinned in the car. Our car was totally like, it was a unibody style. I don't think they make those anymore. So when it hit the telephone pole, it totally turned into a horseshoe and wrapped around it. Lonnie had a depressed skull fracture, uh, like you would dent a ping pong ball. And he still tries to use that as an excuse today. I don't give him any excuses. (laughs) I just want to tell you, okay? It's like, give it up, give it up. You got healed a long time ago. Long time ago. But I want to say that God, when I was in that hospital and somebody drove by, it wasn't days of cell, we didn't have a cell phone. One of our tenants lived nearby and I had someone, I could squeak out enough, I could talk like this. My ribs were crushed, my sternum was broken, my arm was shattered in a zillion pieces. Among other things, they didn't know what was wrong with me. My face was covered with blood because all of Lonnie's blood had dripped down my face, so they didn't know what else was wrong with me. It was not a good-looking scene. Lonnie had a heart attack and arrested on me while he was there. A game warden had come by because it was hunting season, and he pumped Lonnie's heart. And every time he did CPR in the position that he was in, my body was under that. But I didn't care if it would save his life. So we get to the hospital. One of our tenants goes out to West Hart. They stopped. Oh, the ambulance hadn't even gotten there yet. Then they went and got my children, and they brought them to Dartmouth-Hitchcock. And while we were there, my 15-year-old daughter, they let her in. I'd asked them to make us in one room. I didn't want them taking Lonnie away from me. I, my last words to Abba were this. When Lonnie said, I can't pull this out, Kathy. We're going to hit. And we were looking at a fence, and I thought that's what we were going to hit. I didn't see the telephone pole. But my last words to Abba were this. Lord, you've always saved me and spared us from things like this. Boom! Even the Son of God suffered 
and through the suffering that we sometimes go through that we don't understand, there just aren't good answers to why that we can conceive. But the one thing that got me through was this. When my daughter came in there, and of course, I hadn't had a mirror to see what I looked like, but I wasn't being given painkillers or anything until I had all these tests and x-rays. And to top it off, they dropped me when they all had me, but one of them dropped the sheet and my broken body when they were moving me to an x-ray table. I'm telling you, I almost passed out again from the pain. Why? Why? How many times have you said those words? Why? Why me? My daughter came in. Lonnie is still unconscious. He's not looking good. He's over there in this bed. I'm on this other one. She comes in. She's 15 years old. And she took one look. And she'd seen the car accident. She'd seen the car on the way in. They hadn't hauled it off. She was terrified. She saw the blood. There's blood everywhere. She said, Mommy, his dad could have died. Daddy gonna die. And what was my answer? I said, I don't know. But if he does, we are going to thank God and we are going to serve him just like we did yesterday. That's not going to change. When we encounter tragedies, in this case, Lonnie, you know, I said, I'm not going to go have those surgeries until you can tell me more about it. And finally they made it up. They said, look, it's 1030. We've called a doctor in from his holiday weekend, the only one that can do your surgery, because it was quite unbelievable. And they said, we've called him in. It's 10.30 at night. So this was 12 hours later. They said, the answer is he's not going to wake up for at least seven days. I think they made it up. Somehow I said, okay, and I went for surgery. That night when I woke up, I was treated by a nurse in my room. We had to be separated on separate floors because he was in a special unit for head injuries and I was on an orthopedic floor. And that nurse, every time I would come to, because I was then under lots of <coughs> pain medication, I would say, how's my husband? And she's, honey, your husband is going to be just fine. He's doing well. He's this, and we're going to let you see him. And every, three times, I'll never forget what she looked like, and she had one of those little old-fashioned nurse hats on you know, that you see in Pearl Harbor movies. And so the next day, and her hair was just white, you know, whiter than mine and just bright and sparkling in the dim little lights at night. She was so kind. 
says, you're going to be okay. I said, okay, okay. Do you know when? No, but he's going to be okay. He's going to wake up. I'm going to take you there tomorrow. And so then I would go back to sleep. I'd ask again, you know. The next day when I asked where the nurse, you know, if she was coming in, I described the nurse that was there that night. And they said, there's no one that fits that description. I said, well, it's the one that was wearing the cute little old-fashioned nurse hat. And they said, no one wears those anymore. It's just the, you you know, you had just had surgery. And I said, no, she talked to me every time. God sent an angel to comfort me in the midst of my suffering. At that time, it was one of the greatest potential tragedies of my life. I want to tell you that later, as Lonnie and I recovered for six weeks, laying next to each other side by side in bed, we'd had some marriage strains. Anybody that's worked on this building... Has anybody had a little strain from that? Has it has it uh, not only affected your body but relationships? Strain? Huh? Lonnie and I had been at it since summer on that project. Six months. Just me and him. We had some personal strains going on. Let me tell you, if you're laying in a bed and you're in so much pain, once he came to, and you're recovering, that you try to hold on not to move to get up to go to the bathroom because you know how painful it's going to be, and it's going to cause pain for the other person as well. We were in a full-size bed, you know, the old-fashioned full-size, two people. Six weeks recovery. We worked out a lot of issues. We learned obedience through some of the things we had been suffering. Come on. But we experienced so many other things. Not only angels of the season, but we experienced giving from people. Giving from people that we couldn't, it was, we couldn't go buy a Christmas tree. We couldn't go get groceries. We couldn't drive for six weeks. And we hadn't lived here all that long. And people from the community would pick up our kids. And they took them out and got a Christmas tree. And they would help. And they would go buy groceries or drop off meals. How amazing is that? How amazing. We learned obedience to the things we suffered. The other thing that's come to me this week is this. Some of us are going into the holiday season, and we have grief. Just talked to someone that I really love, that I've just come to know recently. Um, and He was an alcoholic for years and years and years, set free, and he had a relapse recently. 
when I was talking to him, I said, what was the trigger? Can you identify the trigger? And he goes, I, I don't know what you mean. I said, well, just something that was gnawing at your gut. No. My wife died almost a year ago, and I just miss her. So he, he couldn't understand that it just grabbed hold of his heart. It's like he's going into the holiday season. He didn't have that much time of marriage with her because he found her after he became sober, and they had this small season of time together, and they loved each other, and they were Christians, and they served the Lord. And then she was taken away. And he was mad at God, too. I mean, it's a mess. They're tragedies. It's grief. She's not coming back until Jesus comes back. You understand? If he's still on this earth, then she will come back with Jesus and the witnesses because she was saved. And I got to meet Tracy years ago. But I'm just saying, grief. And, and there's people that we miss. And there might be grieving things that we're grieving about. Things that might be happening in our family's lives or personal lives. And we're missing family. We're missing loss. Some of you might <coughs> be in a, you know, <coughs> divorces. And, and you go back and you look at the good times and you wish you had it. You know, there's a grieving that continues on and on. And we miss our moms and we miss our dads, some of us. Not everybody does, but, you know, whatever it is, or you might have lost a child. I don't know what the grieving is about, but I just want to say, whatever the tragedy was, I have personally had the privilege of literally going in heaven to heaven on two occasions in my life for an extended period of time. I have seen heaven. If your loved ones are there, it's better than anything you can ever imagine. You just can't imagine how it feels because we've never not had the curse of sin over the earth. Even when there might have not been tragedy, it's different. And though we can't see them and maybe we don't understand why, I want to tell you that there's another scripture, and it's Romans 8, verse 28. And it's my life scripture. I lived it during that tragic accident. I've lived it during the tragedies of my life. I lived it when I was sent home with six weeks to live with an inoperable brain tumor, and I was having epileptic seizures five times a day. I read and lived this scripture when I got breast cancer. Whatever you're grieving, you might be grieving the loss of a body part. One of my breast friends just came over. She lost both her breasts recently to breast cancer. It's not over yet. We grieve some of our losses, but Romans 8 has been 
an anchor to my soul. It has not let me slid down into the abyss, abyss of self-pity. And a lot of depression is anger mixed with self-pity. Those are strongholds in depression. Anger, a spirit of anger, because of pain that we suffered, and self-pity. That is the cocktail that the enemy tries to serve up to you. Don't drink it. Come back to the table and take another drip. Take another drink from the altar. Eat some of the bread of life. Don't eat those cocktails the enemy wants to serve to you. Pour that thing out. Don't drink that cup. Because Romans 8 says this, all things. That word all means every single thing. It's the whole sum of everything is what all means. All things. All things work together. All things work together for good. I said all things work together for good for them who love God. Do you love God? I love Him. So all things and everything and the sum of all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose and His plan and the book He wrote in Psalm 139 about your life. I'm telling you all things, every single thing, all of it, even the things I'm grieving over, no, he didn't say you couldn't grieve. The only time I heard him say something about grief was when Samuel was still pining away for the loss of Saul. You see, he was probably teetering on that cocktail. And God said, it's over, it's done, move on. Sometimes God may tell you that. time to let it go to me and trust me and believe Romans 8 28 I can't tell you I can't witness to you enough if someone has gone to heaven leave them be do you know what they're doing they're rejoicing for you they're praying for you every day they're with Jesus they're <clears throat> they're running around they're believing for this vision they're believing. They don't want you depressed. They don't want you grieving. They don't want you down and out over them. They're, they're in the most glorious place they could ever be. And all they're waiting for is when you're going to arrive. And they don't want you coming one second in earth time too soon. Because they know you, they've been to the libraries of heaven. They've read the book about what God wrote about you. They're praying and contending. They're witnesses in heaven. 
they might have arrived in heaven with some regrets because if we don't fulfill the plans and the purposes, we're going to have some regrets. I mean, we're going to get over it. We're going to let it go, but we're going to contend. So bring them with you. I want to tell you, it's not up there and here. The body of Christ is in both places. There is a dividing veil. There is a gap that separates the two, but it's whole. It's in oneness. The whole of everybody from all eternity that is in heaven is contending for you so that all things in your life, everything, all things, turn out for the good. And that as a son, you are called as a son, just like Jesus. And it read a little more in Hebrews 5.8. Jesus, as a son, Jesus himself, he didn't go around, why me? Oh, God. And self-pity for the rest of his life. If he'd done that, he wouldn't have got this done. He would have never walked to Calvary. No. No. He learned obedience through the things he suffered. Your sons, daughters, let us minister to those who we might run into who are hurting. We don't negate the pain and the grieving and the loss. And there's nothing wrong with remembering. Bring them to the table with you and remember the good times. Bring the joy. Bring the blessed hopes. And yes, we miss them. I miss a lot of people that are in heaven. But they are working. They've got a job to do. And they're contending and praying with Jesus that I finish my course. Don't waste your life over something like that. It's a trick of the enemy. And lay hold of God and join with all of heaven. Bring them to the table. Bring them to your heart and do what God has called you to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope this blesses you and I hope you can minister to others who are hurting, who are missing. You sent the Holy Spirit, the comforter. You carry the comforter inside of you. Let him speak the words of comfort. Let him speak the words of love. Someone. Yes. 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 So this woman fell at the bus and others helped her.
Yes, yes. Yes, and she was helped by the people. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so your question was... Who was watching over her? Yeah. God. And you were right there to pray. So although the others got up and were able to help her physically, you were able to help her spiritually and pray for her and be that sense of comfort. Yes. We carry the comforter inside of us. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. We bless you all. We pray for you to have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And uh, you want to pray over it or do you want me to pray over it? So, Father, we do. We give you thanks for this meal that we're about to share together. And, Father, that we get to be together with one another and just love on each other. And we just thank you for the meal that we've already partaken of today, Lord. It is such a precious day. And we all feel so ministered to by your spirit and comforted. So thank you, Father, for the hands that prepared this meal, that are going to clean up the mess after everything that has been done today to provide this bounty of food for us today and this time together. In your name, Jesus, Abba, we love you. We love you. We adore you. We are so excited about the season where the world comes to adore you and lift you up. And so we bless your holy name.